I have been coming to this church for a long time. Let's see. So I graduated high school in 2001. So that would have been senior year. So probably been coming to the church since 97 or 98, around there. Um, when I got saved, I got saved right before starting high school. So right before starting ninth grade, I... Uh, God specifically didn't allow me to go to Miami High. I was supposed to go to Miami High. And uh, it's a great school, but, you know, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Uh, so I was supposed to go to Miami High, and then um, a random friend of mine was uh, going to Columbus. And then I was like, oh, so I looked at there and saw the sports, and I said, oh, this is cool. But what God was doing is he was taking me away and putting me in an all-boys school. Uh, that was one of my... Probably the biggest distraction of, of my whole life was, uh, was the girls. Everything I did, I kind of always looked for that attention. And it felt good to get attention from girls. You know, we did breakdancing, did all this stuff. But, it, but it's always like at the end, who's looking at me? Oh, she's looking at me. And then, you know, that kind of thing. So when I got saved, you can't do that in an all-boys school. Because that's weird. <laughs> that's, in Columbus, you would get beat up. Besides what everyone thinks, you would get beat up. If you, uh, you know, if you, anyway, so, <laughs> so that's when I got saved. When I got saved, um, like a year after I got saved is when uh, I first started uh, liking Alicia. So it was like 10th grade. So this is way long time ago. Now, here's the thing. And for those of you that know me, there's this thing, the I Kiss Dating Goodbye and a book that was written a long time ago and all this stuff. And everybody has their ideas and theories about it. But when I got saved, I needed to, like, completely forget about girls for a while. Like, it's just, I, I, I did not know how to do that without some ulterior motive in my mind. So, for me, I needed to, like, depart from that. I needed to cut that off completely. So, if different people are in different places. You guys are not in high school. So, it's, it's weird to have you back there. <laughs> Um, all right. So, hey, look at that. If anyone's, yeah, if anyone's listening to the recording, you can ask someone to explain. So, um, so you know, like when someone's an alcoholic, it's not like God sets you free from that. And it's like, ah, but I'll have a little bit every now and then. And no, like you had to cut completely off. So for me, in high school, that had been my decision. I said, okay, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not pursue a romantic relationship while I'm here in this age. So that was me, ninth grade. And so I got that reputation. But I'm the first one of my friends to get married. I was the first one to have kids. All my other friends that were making fun and like I, that's what I was known for, the, you know, not pursuing girls at that time, um, they, they're, they're, they're still single. <laughs> See, Jose, no, you got some of you know some of them, but they're still single and trying to figure it out. So it worked for me. And here's the whole thing. And the idea Pastor Jack asked me to share is, how you get prepared for the different stages of life. So how do you get prepared when you're, obviously none of you are in high school, but when you're in high school going to college or when you're young and single, maybe to get married, maybe if you're married to have kids, how do you get prepared? And, and one of the main things I think is you got to do what you're doing really well. 
So if you're a high school kid and you're not able to, you know, provide for your, you know, a wife and maybe what you got to do really well is school. So if something's going to distract you from that, man, that's time to put some of those childish things to the side because that's what I had. You know, I had school. And so that's what I was going to get focused on. You know, obviously my relationship with the Lord. So when there was a, I had the time and the money. So summers, what did I do? If I didn't have anything to do, it was a missions trip. I would go on the missions trip, go on. And I'm not saying I, because I did everything right. I did a bunch of things wrong as well. But, um, but I know some things that helped me. And so, um, so getting ready always for whatever God's preparing you for is by being faithful right with what you're doing, you know, and whatever that might be. Um, so after I graduated high school, went to college, I would spend my not in school time. I would try to be in school. I didn't like school. So I tried to be there as little time as possible, um, except for, uh, the ping pong table they had, but I never got that good. Uh, I would try to go to classes and leave. And then I would either go to work or I would come to church and volunteer. And that's pretty much college. That's all I did. Uh, as I started volunteering here, eventually I got a part-time job and I was working, uh, some of you know Frank Checa, I was working doing telecommunication, cameras and stuff, finishing school and then working part-time here. So, and then eventually that ended up with working full-time here. Then I got married with one semester left of college. Then I got, right when I got married, I started overseeing the youth group, and I became the youth pastor then, and I started working here full-time, and um, and then, so that was around 2004 I got married, and then 2007 is when we had kids, and the kids just joined us. Everything we did, the kids did. It didn't, my whole life didn't stop. It's not like I, you know, I, I no, I, the kids, I was a youth pastor, so the kids went to youth camps, the kids went to wherever we were going, you know, except Friday nights, there was a lot, so we were giving to grandparents, and they loved it, and um, and so that's kind of like, and then today, you know, obviously my kids are a little bit older, they're 14 and 10, and um, and they're great, two boys, to me it's the best combo, so if you're planning, if somehow you can figure that out, I suggest two boys, I know <laughs> everyone thinks a boy and a girl, but two boys, man, they share rooms, share clothes, they both smell and they don't care, uh, it's great, you know, so, so if you could somehow plan that out, so you're trying to plan it all out. I know there's some sort of science, but whatever. I don't, I don't know. It. I'm not that scientific. I don't know it that well. Um, all right. Colossians three, Colossians three. I just wanted to give you a little like history, a little idea of, of, uh, of up to today. Um, I oversee the Lighthouse Ministry right now, up uh, to this year, and then next year, someone else, George, is going to be overseeing that, George Iglesias, and uh, the Lord has been opening up a lot of doors, doing something else that's a new season in my life, and again, thinking about planning, um, it's not something you necessarily, that I planned, like, oh, here's where I want to, but just being, just doing what you're doing, God leads you to these things, and so, a lot is happening with law enforcement and the whole chaplaincy thing. And so um, some of my time will be used for that starting next year. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, Colossians 3. I was reading and this morning I, I 
I didn't know where I was going to go. We're teaching the kids through Proverbs. So I thought we were going to go through all the Proverbs about being prepared. Um, uh, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 10. No, Proverbs 9, I think. Where it says, diligence is a man's precious possession. You know, um, and he says, basically, the lazy man doesn't roast what he took in hunting. You know, you go hunting, you finally get your kill, you got your animal, and then you're like, eh, and you leave it there. And uh, you don't notice it at first because you're still maybe got food in your belly. But if that's your source of food, you can only survive that way so long. If you don't, you know, you don't cook. There's another verse that says, this guy's even lazier. It says he doesn't even take his hand from the bowl to his mouth because he's so lazy. So, you know, he... That's, I mean, that's really lazy, but some people are like that, you know, they're like, ah. Um, so I thought we were going to look at Proverbs, but then I started reading Colossians and, and I thought, man, this is, this is awesome. So Colossians 3 verse 1, it says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So seek those things which are above. Um, one of the pastors says, man, when you're heavenly minded, you're just a happier person. And when you think about it, like when you, man, when your mind is on things above, what are the things that bring you down? It's all the things of this world. So when you're thinking about heaven, what, what in this world is going to uh, matter? So heavenly minded people are, are happier. They're happier. Um, you lose sight, you lose the fight, you know, in sports, keep your eye on the ball, right? Now I could have the most powerful swing. And if I'm looking all around, like I don't, I'm not going to make that contact. And it's the most frustrating thing when you're trying to teach someone sports and you're, you're telling them, but like, they don't, they can't connect with what you're saying. Like, keep your eye on the ball and they don't. And they're swinging. You wish you can go in there and do it, you know, do it for them. Um, but, but obviously the Christian life, this life is, is for you to do. It's not for anyone else to do. Um, but you do got to keep your eye on the ball. You got you to gotta have your sight focused. It says there, you seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of, of this earth. Um, I'm just going to, let's read, and then I'll just go back. So with the idea of getting prepared, right? You seek those things which are above. You set your mind. You don't let your mind to see if it happens to start thinking about things above. Like you set it. You get there, you turn the dial, and you put your mind on things above. That is, it's a purposeful action set. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear in glory. Real quick, I was reading a thing, uh, verse 3. It was in the, one of the Jewish concentration camps. Uh, they were looking for some people that were still alive. And the way that they were able to escape and they hid was they hid in the graves of dead people. And so they had to smell like them, look like them, and, and you know, so that the, you cannot tell apart the, the dead person from the life person so that the life person could stay alive. Because they were, you know, they were looking to kill everyone there, anyone who was still alive. 
And, um, and so when you think of this, when you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God, you, you, you have to smell, you have to be that. I mean, you, you, you can't just, uh, but it's a little bit, I don't know. You, there's no hesitation or you die, you know? So I think of that when it says, man, you died, you didn't have die. Someone, you know, Jose, right? He's the most medically, anyone else like a doctor. I think Jose has the biggest medical understanding here. Like no one half dies. I'm pretty sure it could be proven. Like you don't just, you're either dead or you're not dead. You know, you might be able to be revived. Some people look dead, but if there's a pulse, you'll say, oh, he's alive. And, you know, at least for a moment. But you died with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. And he needs to take on the, the full, uh, full Christ that, that he is. So uh, when, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, okay, because you died, now look at this. Therefore, put to death. So now you died. You're Christ now. So none of your own fragrances, none of the things that are of yourself, you died. You belong to Christ. Christ is alive in you. And now it tells you and gives you a little bit of some responsibility. You put to death. Now it's your chance to do some, some murder action. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. And you guys know that word is pornea. Put that to death. Uncleanness. Dirty things. Put those to death. Passions which is just um, uh, going after things. I, I, I could look up the definition, but, but when um, it was a, I forget the word that he used, but like an unhealthy dedication to things, like things that aren't healthy, and you become dedicated to these passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And they all have to do here, um, in a, in some sort of sensual way, even the idolatry, where you look at someone else and and you think, man, that would be better than what I have, or covetousness, that would be better than what I have. And you look at pictures, you look at things, and you create this idol in your mind. And you know, maybe even those of you single looking to get married one day, and and maybe you have an idea of who this person is going to be, and but it's such an it's such an idol that that it's unattainable and and you maybe need you maybe need to change your perception for well, God what do you have for me cuz you can have this idol set up this person is going to be just like this and they're going to look like that and they're going to do this and oh that person oh but I don't like it cuz you know their ear or whatever and you're like man you you got an idol in your mind you know you got this person that you've never even met and but when your eyes are on the things above um, he, he's the one that works in you. You're putting to death your perception of stuff, all the things that belong to you. It says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. There's no gray area there, man. you this is your life. Pornea, fornication, uncleanness, passions it says the wrath of God is coming upon that stuff in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Says we've so now we're not there no more. But now yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on a new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. And uh, again, if you lose sight, you lose the fight. If you lose sight, you lose the fight. Um, I think one of the most dangerous things to do is when you don't know where the enemy is at or coming from. If you don't have a sight on where the danger is, um, man, it's, it's more dangerous. Right? If you have an eye, if you can see where it's coming from, you have a chance to defend. You have a chance to attack first. You never want the enemy to surprise attack you. If you could advance that, if you could be the first one to uh, do the attack, you're, you're better off than waiting to be attacked. And so when it comes to our spiritual life, if you're just not attacking, I mean, you're not getting in the word, you're not putting up the things, you're not doing the training you got to do, and you're not ready, you're going you're gonna to get, you're, you're setting yourself up to get surprise attack, which is the worst. You, you, you don't want to lose sight. You don't want to fall asleep, right? The disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you couldn't stay up with me one hour. And so even Jesus was saying, dude, guys, being lazy, come on. And they, they, they fell asleep. Now, Jesus didn't throw them away. He didn't just say, you dummies, you're idiots, get out of my face. But he didn't just say, oh, boy, they were so tired. Oh, just let them sleep. No, he goes, guys, you couldn't stay up with me an hour. And um, so you don't want to lose sight. Another thing I wrote down here, which I heard, all, all these things, sometimes we hear them, we just repeat them. And so they don't, they're not like creatively mine, but whatever. And uh, the way that they, they said it, it was, it's either a struggle or a battle. It's either a struggle or a battle. And, and it's a different thing. It's the same thing, but it's two different ways to approach it. And some people, it's always a, but I'm struggling and it's a struggle and it's a struggle. And you're coming at it already defeated. You know, but when it's a battle, what do you do for the battle? Oh, it took me down. Next time, I'm going to train. You know what? It's, this, it's catching me this way. Well, watch next time what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare this way. You know, maybe ground game is not where you're best at fighting. Oh, man, every time I go to the ground, I lose the fight. Well, so you guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to practice my ground fighting. Maybe, you know, the guy is faster than me so he catches him. oh next time you know i'm gonna outrun the guy i'm gonna but you're that's a battle a struggle is oh that's so difficult it got me again oh. you're gonna stay in that place and it's a rut and you never get out of that thing because when you're in a battle there's no other way to get out of that but to survive the enemy is not gonna go oh yeah i guess i treated you too roughly I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm not going to beat you up again. No, he's going to keep beating you up till you are able to respond in a, in, in a battle way. And we're, you know, we're, we're men. We're, we're, we're made to, to, to be in this fight. And so, so change the idea of like the struggles and the struggle to the battle. And you train for battle. You train. God said, right, you train my hands for war. And he didn't say, oh, well, if war comes to me, I hope I'm strong at that point. Like, no, I'm training, so when the war comes, my hands are trained. That mindset. Um, two, two different things. Habits compared to discipline. 
habits and discipline. I have a bad habit of biting my nails. And I'm so this, I'm talking to myself. Why is a stupid bad habit? Why do I do it? Do I want to stop? Yes. I wish I could just all of a sudden be like, poof, the feeling of biting my nails is gone. God, could you please just liberate me from my biting nails habits? That's, that's, no. <laughs> well, discipline is me now saying, I won't buy my nails. Now I have, now I'm going to see, now you're going to check my nails in a week and in a month. Like, dude, you've been biting your nails? And I'm good for like a week and then I, man, I start biting my nails again. That's just, right? So a habit, what's the difference between a habit and a discipline you form? Because they're both something you do repetitively. You, you know, you, you do it over and over again. And the difference is in a discipline it's something that you're knowingly doing for a specific reason or a purpose. Habits, they you just they just you do them repeatedly, and you're there's no thought or reason why you're doing it. Like I don't bite my nails because I'm trying to trim my to- my nails from my f- no. I it's just a habit. A discipline is that's my purpose. That's my goal. That's what I want to get to. So I'm gonna do this repeated action on purpose and to discipline myself, you know? So if I'm going to exercise at five in the morning when I get up every day, if I, it, it becomes a habit after a while sometimes, but a discipline is I need to get up and I need to knowingly say, I want to be able to do whatever, my hundred push-ups without being gassed out. That's where I want to get to. Well, I need to Start doing 10. I need to tomorrow do 20. I, but it's a discipline that I would need to develop. And I know why I'm doing it. And I know how I'm going to do it. That's a discipline. It's the same thing, though. It's a repeated action, just like a habit. But it comes with, a, with, with an understanding and a knowledge and a reason behind it. Um, you can accomplish through discipline what you'll never be able to accomplish with just sheer effort. So some people, they think they can trust on just their effort. You know, when I really need it, man, I'm just going to give it all I got and I'll get there. And then you put that guy compared to the other guy, you know, I'm going to run a 5K, make it easy, right? Three miles. You're like, no, if I had to right now, I'll run three miles. I'll get it done under 30 minutes. If I really, really wanted to, I would do it. Compared to the guy who's been waking up every day and running one mile, two mile, three mile, four mile, and then that guy tells you, you know, I'm going to run my, my three miles. Like, who am I going to trust is going to get there better? The guy who's just, I got a lot of effort, man. I'm going to give it all I got. When I really need it, I'm just, it's there. I'm, oh. or Or the guy who, who's been disciplining himself to that. And in our Christian life, it's it's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's not a all of a sudden you get confronted with a temptation and oh, I'm gonna power my way through it. I remember one time and I, I share this story a lot. I feel bad for the lighthouse kids because I, I I say the same stories like fifteen thousand times and then I, after I'm like I, f- I feel bad for them. But anyway, um, I remember the first time my wife went out of town when I got married. I don't remember, a year or two, she went to a conference, and I was like three or four days by myself. It was the absolute, like, worst three or four days. Temptations left and right. My brain was going all over the place. Like, I felt like a fight. Like, I really felt like 
like I was like, I just started punching someone and fighting. It was so hard. And, and man, I had to form some disciplines because my sheer effort alone was only going to get me so far, man. Like I maybe had an hour left before. And, I mean, it was just, I was exhausted. I was dead. I, I don't know how long I could have lasted like that. And, and, and with all my good intentions, like I think a lot of us here, right? You, you talk about, you know, pornography or, or any sin that, you know, if, you're, if you drink, if there's something that's a vice of yours, has your sheer effort. I really, really don't want to do it. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna do it. Like, has that worked for you? It doesn't work for me. The the temptation and the enemy is always more powerful than me. But it's been disciplines that have helped me get there. When my wife goes out of town, to this day, I've been married. Oh gosh, 17 years. I think 17 years. To this day, when my wife goes out of town for a long time. I have accountability people. I say, hey, you guys want to hang out? You guys want to do something? I don't want to be three or four days doing nothing by myself in my house. It's a discipline that I've told myself, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I don't want <laughs> to see what I would do if I get in that same fight again. I just want to avoid that fight altogether. And, you know, certain things, it's super annoying. Uh, Sprint, I think, was like, do you want to block content on your phone? I'm like, Yes. I can't even watch like MMA fights on my phone now. I'm like, this is, it's annoying. But if I want to see an MMA fight, I have to go like maybe in my living room or my computer or something. But it's just not easy to get to things, right? You, but it's a discipline. It's, it's, it's actions that you take. Um, and the thing is, for some people, some things might be easy. Some things might be harder. So like alcohol, never been a big thing for me. It wasn't a thing growing up in my house. You know, all through high school, friends were drinking, and it wasn't a, didn't, didn't ever, wasn't a thing for me. So I could say, oh, I have victory over, you know, not drinking alcohol, but, but other things, man, I was a wimp. I, you know, I couldn't even, I, it just, it would, it would defeat me. Um, now, here's the other amazing thing of discipline. That discipline, it only comes from God's grace. God's grace. Man, that, that, he, that we died and we're in Christ. So the only reason we're alive, the only reason we could even be here is because of all that God has done for us. So it's not that you can even have enough self-discipline to do it, but it's you realize, God, it's your grace. And so the discipline comes because of God's grace. There's this thing in um, in in uh, it, PTSD is post-traumatic stress dis- disorder, but there's this thing called post-traumatic growth, and and in this course that they were giving one time. But one of the things that helps us, and the idea is just this: when you're going through a tough time, forget about the letters PTSD. But when you're going through a tough time, something that's like really difficult. When you realize and you take away all the choices and you realize the only way I get out of this thing is by getting, you know, it's like a tunnel and you feel like you're trapped. The only way that I get out is by getting out the other side and going through this thing. When that choice happens, it's like, okay, well, I have no choice. I have to get out. I can't go back. I can't ask for mom. You know, my, no, I have to get out this thing and go through it 
and get out of it on the other end. And when you do that, it's amazing the growth that happens. And so I think, you know, United States and, and our comforts, we, sometimes we have way too many options and they're all distractions. And we feel comfortable because at the end of the day, we're not going hungry. Like we got clothes, we could sleep somewhere comfortable. And we think like everything is okay. And you just, you're, you're deciding to just stay in that tunnel and there's no growth. Because you're giving yourself way too many choices. But if there's a moment of clarity and God shows you, hey, that's where you're going to go. Even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's not the thing, you know, again, maybe sports. Okay, those come easier for me. I love those things. Maybe for me it's reading, sitting down. And maybe I need to grow in reading. If I just sit here and be like, yeah, but I kind of don't like it. I'm not. But if I want, if I give myself no choice. In order for me to read more, I got to go through that tunnel and get out the other side by getting that thing and grinding and reading books so that one day I'm going to be like, oh my goodness, I like reading. This is, so, this is pretty good. This is pretty cool. If, if I want to grow to like reading, there's no, it's, there's no other way but to start doing it till it grows on you. Now, if that's not your goal, that's fine. But whatever that thing is, you have to grind to get out. And you grow. It's amazing how you grow. I've seen people, you know, that hate it. I used to hate running at one point. And when I started running, now my back hurts, but I don't run anymore. But before that, man, I started running. I had a knee injury. That's what it was. I had a knee injury. My knee would hurt. And the doctor's like, do some squats. And I'm like, do more exercise? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. So I started running and the pain went away. Now, if I would have been like, no, I can't run because my knee hurts. I can't run because my knee hurts. I can't run. My knee probably would have still been hurting. But the only way through it was to go through it and realize, oh, look at that. It fixed itself. You have to go through it. Um, so growth. The only way out is through. Billy Graham had these five things talking about uh, preparing for next stages in your life. And he said, he said these things. He says, number one, pour into someone else's life. Pour into someone else's life, which could seem weird for some of us because we might think that the first thing is be filled with the Lord, be filled with the Lord. But I, all of you I've seen well, at least once before, and you, you're getting so much filling. You Monday nights, Wednesdays, Sundays. Your problem is not that you're not receiving good food. You're, so number one, start pouring out into other people's lives. You want to get ready? For more things, different things in your life, start pouring out. Look at who God wants to use you to help someone else. Who is that person? Number two, pray for something new. We pray the same prayer sometimes. You know, I, I, I see, you know, the kids in Lighthouse, I pray for the test we have today. Amen. And they, you know, but man, getting out of our comfort zone, maybe... Praying, what, what are you not praying for? Making a list, maybe thinking about something different, but praying for new things. Praying not just the same old prayers. Uh, number three, set aside quiet time with God. Yes, you have to get along with the Lord. You do got to get along with the Lord. Sometimes we don't realize it that much because all we're doing is getting along with the Lord, but we're not pouring out. So like you're just fat. I mean, you got to work it out, you know, and that's how you realize you're hungry again because you let it all go and then you're hungry. So you eat more and you start getting more of God's word. But if you just 
Sometimes you, just, you become this wealth of knowledge that you're not pouring out. It's not healthy. Uh, get outside. And what does that mean? Like go to the you know, ranch and nature. And yes, maybe. But, but get like we're inside so long. Sometimes we're like in a chair, in a building. In a, get out somewhere. Like go around FIU, you know, and walk and maybe start praying for random people you see. Go, I mean, go, go outside. Work, do, you know, do things that are just not in what you're doing every day and see how much missions trips are great for that. And go, go on a trip, go serve the Lord. And then um, the last thing he said is eliminate all the lies and the negative and all that false stuff from our lives, which is said there, right? Put to death all these things, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And um, so, what time is it? 8.43. Just closing then. So I wrote down three, three categories, right? So when I was single, married, and then having kids. Um, and I just wrote down some things that were helpful. And I think they helped me prepare for my next part in life, you know? Um, you know, the first time I did laundry in my life was when I got married. <laughs> I ne I had a grandma in my house. They never showed me to do laundry. I, I never in my life. So my kids, they know how to do laundry now because I, I felt a little unprepared when I realized, Hey, can you put that in the laundry for me? <laughs> how do you do this thing? What are the buttons? You know? So practically, maybe learn to do your own laundry. I, mean, I got married super young, so I was like, you know, kind of still in my parents' house when I got married. But All right, so serve, 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 serve. Serve other people. Serve other people. That gets your mind off yourself. It takes your mind off all your own problems. That's the worldly stuff, man. Serve other people. You're going to need to serve your wife one day. So you got to get used to not being so selfish not always about you, your comforts, but, you know, so serve other people, serve other people, save money, and use free time to learn new skills. Man, learn how to change an outlet, learn how to change light, just do those things. Like, I know your parents could do them all for you, and again, maybe you're, you're super young, and you're just, but, you know, as time goes on, like, try to learn new skills. Um, sometimes, you know, you YouTube it, like, most adults, they just know how to use YouTube, how to fix outlet, and then do it. I mean, that's how it used to be like a book or a person that would teach you. I mean, you, you can figure out how to do it right now from your phone. I mean, it tells you everything. I changed the bearings in my washing, uh, in my dryer the other day. It was creak, creak, creak. It was squeaking. And YouTube did, bought the piece. I, I'd never done that in my life. It took two tools and, and a YouTube video. And I became a $100 professional uh, uh, dryer guy. I mean, so learn some stuff. Do some stuff. It's fun. You, you're watching YouTube. YouTube is fun. But, like, do it and, like, get something out of it, you know? Surround yourself with a good group of friends. Don't be, you know, don't be... To yourself, but just have a good group of people around you that are going to challenge you, grow you, 
you 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 get that godly jealousy sometimes. You know, oh man, I, I'm lagging, lagging a little behind. It encourages you, you know. Um, check yourself often. Uh, try to lose some of the baggage now. If you're single, this is being single. Try to lose some of the baggage now. You know, it's not going to just all of a sudden go away when you get married. You're used to, you know, you got your own apartment and, <laughs> I mean, maybe you, you know, whatever. You you haven't cleaned your toilet in a year. Like, bro, start cleaning your toilet. Start losing some of the bad habits that you have. Because when you get married, like, it doesn't just all of a sudden get easier. It gets harder now. Now your toilet is inspected after you clean it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, I mean... It's um, fill your time up. Don't waste time. If you are, I don't know how these levels are accounted, and if I don't even want to use a, a game because then someone's. If you're like level one hundred on that video game, maybe you've had too much time on your hand. Like if you are expert in a certain game right now in your stage maybe you might want to try to change up your time a little bit. Because how you got time for that? There's a lot of things to do, man. And if anything, ask Gabriel. Uh, now, you know, he's not here. So I have a lot of things to do here at church now. So uh, <laughs> come by here and I'll give you things to do. Casas, casas, well, casas, you, you might go crying if you go over there. <laughs> try to, but, but seriously, like, if you become an expert... Is our video games wrong? Our music? No, they're not evil in and of themselves. But just check yourself on those things sometimes. Have fun. Go on those things that you're not gonna be able to maybe go to. If you man missions trips, you know those of you that are single, you've been able to go to multiple missions trips. You go on the youth, on the young adults trips. Like do all of those things. You got the time. You could do it. I mean, you don't have to figure out kids care and this care and that care and all that. And go for those things. Just do them. They're, this is a great time in life to do all those things. And these are all things that will help you when you get married. Open up. If you live in your own place, open up your home for hospitality. Or if you live in your parents' place. My kids wanted to do two years ago or a year ago a super uh, NFL draft. What is that thing called where you compete? Fantasy football. Fantasy football. Like a fantasy. It's not even real. What's the point? Whatever. <laughs> They wanted to do fantasy football. I'm like, look, I, I have a lot of things, Elias, and I can't. If you want to do the whole thing, you do it. And so he did. That whole day I sat back. I mean, no, I cut the lawn and stuff outside, but that was, I was, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> but he cleaned the house. He got the TV. He asked me and showed, I showed him how to do pizza in the oven, little bagel bites and other pizza. He served them all. He, hey, you guys, anyone more drinks? And then after everyone left, he did the whole thing on how to sign up. He did all of that. Communicate to his friends. No, you know, me and another dad, and we sat. We did nothing. After the whole day was done, I was like, hey, now you got to go clean all the dishes. And he had a blast. He had fun doing it. He's, that was, he was 13 at the time. You guys are all way older. Have, learn hospitality. Bring a bunch of people over to your parents' house and cook for them and just figure that stuff out. It'll be fun because you get to hang out with all your friends. And it's a great skill to start pre preparing when you're single so that when you get married, you got 
some some things that you you know you've you practiced. Um, I wrote down the word privacy, but I don't know what I wrote that down for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have a man cave. A man cave, maybe. Yeah, prepare you do one now. <laughs> budget. All right, budget. If you're single, have you looked at your budget? You know, have you looked at how you spend your money, eating out, you know, all the different things? Have you done that? Good thing to do. Follow through with your commitments. Sometimes don't, I, I, no one here, right? But the kids nowadays, as they say, they, 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 people struggle with people not being able to keep a commitment. They, you know, they say they're going to do something at a certain time and then they don't do it. They can't do it. They don't show and I can't and my, my, my left toe hurts and it's like, do it with your left toe hurting. I mean, figure it out. But keeping your commitments and don't be scared of making the commitment because, oh, I want I don't want to flake out. No, make it and then work hard to get them, get those commitments done. Keep your room clean. It's good practice. When you're single, just, I know you don't have to, but man, try it. Try to like, you know, wash your clothes, keep, just try some of those things. All right. When you're married, good things to do while you're married in preparation for next stage of life. First, when you're married, leave and cleave. You're on your own. No mommy, no daddy. Leave and cleave. Figure it out. Here's an awesome thing. When you get married young, you got to figure all these things out with your wife. That's beautiful. If not, you got to figure it out on your own. And trust me, the way you solve it on your own is not the way you're going to solve it when you get married. Because me and my wife are completely different. I'll solve a problem one way, she'll solve it a different way. So when you're married and now you figure it out together, you kind of have less bad habits to break later on. So, um, but yes, leave and cleave. Man, when you get married... And it's going to help you for when you have kids. There's a reason for that. You're going to have to learn to deny yourself when you get married. And you're going to need to know how to do that when you have kids. So deny yourself for your wife. You know, put her above yourself, her needs, her desires. Serve her. Uh, are you reading the word to her? So reading the Bible to your wife or maybe to um, your fiancé or, or the girl in your life, but, you know, man, are you a, a spiritual example to them? Like, do they look at you and just be like, ooh, what a hottie? Or do they look at you and go, man, that guy loves the Lord more than I do? Like, that's the jealousy we want to kind of cause in them to say, dude, if I get married to this guy, I got to pick up my Bible game here because this guy loves the Lord. He's serving the Lord. He's with the people of the Lord. And... And if she's not with that, it kind of weeds out the la mala. They weeds out the ones that you don't want to be with. If they're, you know, if that's not the case, um, it's not gonna get better when you get married. It's gonna be worse for you. It's gonna be hard. So do that young, especially in, in young in your marriage. Learn to set up those habits. Uh, again, when you're young, married, save money. Your kids will take it off from you later. <laughs> save money. Um, serve others serve with your wife young couples great time before kids to go on missions trips together as well do things together go you know 
leave a leave for a weekend like you can do all those things never use the word divorce so good preparation you never use that word ever all right and then uh when you have kids my personal opinion it's great to have kids when you're young when you still got energy so you know sometimes it's not a choice sometimes life comes at different times um but just that's that's an opinion that's all right it's my own personal opinion um the kids adapt to your lifestyle so if you got kids you know and you're married and and now you you got a baby in the house your whole life doesn't have to change for this baby like the air temperature they'll get accustomed to whatever you like it at you know you you whatever you you there's things that they the kids will they'll they'll learn what you're learning uh kids are born in all places in the world and they under all sorts of conditions and so you don't have to completely now cater just for everything the baby needs there's a lot of things you have to do but there's the babies are going to be fine you know i had cafe nowadays like i you know you you freak a parent out I had cafe con leche in a bottle at one, two, three, four, five years old. I, my whole babyhood, it was with coffee and a bunch of sugar. And I semi-turned out fine. So, you know, but now it's like, oh, no, because this and the natural and the sunlight and the boom and the bam. And it's like all these, it's like, anyway. Um, kids are not as fragile as we think. Don't compromise God for just something good. Serve and involve your kids in service to the Lord. Man, you still come to church. You, you, you know, because again, preparing for the next stage in life. What's the next stage in life after kids? Which mostly young adults are going to have somewhat of a young kids, right? I'm older now. I'm past the young adult age. I feel old. And so my kids are a little older, 14 and 10. But the next stage is my kids are going to get married. And my kids are going to have kids one day. I can't wait till they both get married and get out. I have the whole house to myself. I'm not, I'm not to keep them forever. I, wanna, I want them to run. I want them to go for it. But if I am not an example to them, that's like at this level, they're, they're, they're going to get to this level. So if I want them to, to excel with the things of the Lord, man, I, I got to be on my super A game. Because I want them to at least, you know, get there when they get married. So if they're seeing my bad example, if they're seeing everything wrong that I'm doing, preparing for my next stage in life, which is when my kids get married, I want my, I don't have daughters, but if I had daughters, I would want my daughter to say, I want my husband one day to be the man that my dad was. I mean, that's what we all want to do. Or if, I mean, for my sons, I want them to see their mom and say, man, I want someone as godly as my mom. And so preparing our kids for the next stage in life is that example to them and not compromising God for something good. You know, sports, like sports becomes a thing. But man, if I'm compromising the things of God for sports, they're not going to get married and go and then have their own kids. And they're like, oh, man, the sports. Sports are great. I love sports. I did sports my whole life. But God came first. You know, and, 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 and you got to take a stand. I, I mean, in high school, 
I every coach knew that a Friday night when it was youth group, I will not miss a Friday night. I think once for state championships or any other. But practice, 7 o'clock, I have to leave. So you figure out the practice or kick me off the team, but I'm not compromising. And, and you know, my parents didn't know the Lord, so that had to be my own decision. Now I get to make that decision for my kids, but Friday nights is youth. They're not missing that. I'll revolve everything else around other times, but I'm not going to compromise for something that's good, the things of God. And, and our kids need to see that. Um, it says, kids will forgive our mistakes, but they won't forgive our lack of courage. If you go for something and you mess up, your kids will forgive you. But if you didn't go for it, man, that is going to be tougher for our kids. Go for it. You, you know, have courage. Take, take those godly risks. And yeah, you might mess up a couple times, but, but you didn't just sit there doing nothing. You know, your kids saw that you were pursuing the Lord and they saw what it meant to repent when you blew up and you, you know, did something and you, you were one day, you know, who, so who has kids here? There's only, I mean, uh, and then, okay, Jake, right. And Dom, anyone that's it, right. For now. So yeah, like one day, uh, I mean, unless you guys are perfect, you're going to blow up and you're going to get real loud with your kids and go, Lucas, how could you do that? Why did you punch your sister or brother? I don't even know. But how did you punch him? Why did you do Why did you push him in the pool? And you realize, oh, I shouldn't have. Hey, I'm sorry, man. I, I didn't mean to. Your kids see that. Like, that is better for them to see. Then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. And not, no, they. it's okay to mess up for godliness, for correction, for doing something. Than to just be a passive parent that, well, that's what they feel. I'm going to let my kids do what they feel. And I'm not going to take a stand in their life and say, this is wrong, Sonny. I'm just going to, they feel like, you know, do, do, do you realize, like, if you let kids do what they feel, you go to kids' ministry, kids are barking like a dog because they want to pretend to be a puppy. You're not a puppy. <laughs> I, I will let you pretend for a few seconds, and then you're going back to being a human being. You, you need to... If you don't take those stands and have courage with how you lead your family, that's, that's harder to forgive than if you take a stand and you mess up and you apologize and you, and you ask them for forgiveness later. So that's all I have, I think, for now. Um, thinking of each stage and preparing for the next stage.